First ever live episode of the Calcio Connection podcast, connecting with you, Italian football fans from all over the world. So Jerry Mancini was just uh, in the process a couple seconds ago of cursing out uh, Mario Galliano because he, uh, he he held us up. He were the reason why we're starting three minutes late here is because we were waiting for Mario. Uh, but I love it. We already have a couple people in there. Uh, we appreciate you guys hopping aboard. And if you have any questions you want to throw in, throw them in on the chat. Um, just a, a warning. I'm the one who's uh, who's working the chat here, and I am like barely uh, technologically inclined above like a baby boomer level. So if, if anything gets screwed up, you can totally blame me for that. I am Alex Dono alongside my co-host, as always, Jerry Mancini, and we're alongside a big cast of characters. Ricky Buzz is with us. Ricky's going to help bring the inter. Actually, you know what? We're we're surrounded by Interisti. This, uh, so it, this is like uh, this is not even a fair fight here. So Ricky's a fellow Interista. Mario is a fellow Interista. We have the Milan perspective. I know a Miguel AJ is going to hold it down. He does a great job. And of course, Jerry is Mister Lazio. Uh, what the one of the first comments is asking, what happened to my mustache? Yeah, for for the past <laughs> two days, I was rocking a pretty hideous stash. But my my wife basically threatened divorce. I, ha I had to trim it off. I had to get rid of it. It was it was, <laughs> it was like biker motorcycle cop. It was really, really nasty. But before I introduce everybody else, let me introduce Jerry officially. Uh, Jerry, I, I I was rooting for Lazio and Coppa Italia, although I, I'm a fraud because I did bet on Atalanta. But your guy at Cherby scored a freaking ridiculous goal, cutting into the box, dribbling four guys like Messi. So despite the loss midweek, Jerry, how you doing? Not bad. It must have been Manscaped, man. That's probably what helped him. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be welcoming in the next few days uh, the newest sponsor uh, to our pod. Uh, I, I don't know if we can make it fish official until the weekend, but we are we are sponsored by Manscaped now. And if you guys uh, you want to order some of the great packages at Manscaped.com, you can use our code Calcio and get 20% off. So that's pretty sweet. Uh, Ricky Buzz is like the hero who actually put us all together. Like he he encouraged us to plan a midseason review. So I wanted to introduce Ricky next. How you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. Fireworks and all this week with the Derby. <laughs> oh, we're gonna get into that. And uh, Miguel AJ Milano Miguel is gonna help us get into some of that. Miguel, how you been, man? I'm good, man. Uh, just trying to recover after that Derby loss. That, that was freaking wild. And I, I could see Mario smirking and smiling. He's a fellow Interista. And I know why Mario's smiling. Because it wasn't just a derby win for Inter. Who scored the game-winning goal? I don't know anybody who stands harder for Christian Eriksen than Mario Galliano. Eriksen has been his Twitter avatar. You know, the, the times that we record on Skype and Mario joins in, he's got Eriksen as his background. Like, th th this guy... Uh, Conte has not believed in Ericsson for a long time, but Mario has never lost his belief for Ericsson. Mario, you must feel like a hero today. How you doing? I'm profit. I don't know. He, my man, Christian Ericsson, comes out of nowhere, saves the day in the biggest game this season so far. I haven't been this excited for a game. So far. So what the hell? I haven't. I, 
I was yelling. My neighbors were were knocking on my door. My girlfriend, her fiance, she almost freaking killed me because I was going crazy. What a time! I honestly think that Conte had it all planned out, man. Honestly, that that was all Conte scripted, man. Don't worry. He's been trying it. He's been trying for that for like the whole season. He's like, oh, let me put him on the fi- last five minutes, and maybe he'll hit a free kick, and I can start this guy or something. Who knows? Like, nuts. So let me get into, um, you know, not only was uh, usually we would never talk this much about a Coppa Italia match, but um, that was that was a vintage Milan derby. I mean, it it had everything. It had, you know, a near brawl. You know, it had uh, a lot of physicality. Hell, even even the the lead referee had to leave the game for a, a pulled muscle late in the game. And you had the theatrics of, you know, a 97th minute game winner and there was so much stoppage time there was so much added time in the game 10 minutes because of the pause for the referee having to leave the game so there were 10 minutes of added time and then Christian Erickson gets that free kick but I want to start guys with really what has everybody talking from that match and that was uh the verbal scuffle that um Romelu Lukaku got into with Zlatan now um you know, I, I want to get everybody's take on this um, because I, I, I think maybe, you know, the, the remark that has everybody talking is what, you know, Zlatan said about Lukaku with voodoo. And, um, and you know, I know that what he was bringing up, it was a jab of, you know, several years ago when Lukaku left Everton, you know, one of the uh, the Everton owners had made some comment about like his mother, you know, decided to do it based on voodoo. It was a ridiculous, terrible thing to say, and it wasn't true. Um, but this isn't something that like Zlatan made up out of thin air. And uh, and so, you know, when a lot of people saw that comment, I know that there are some people out there, you know, calling Zlatan a racist. And um, I, I, I don't think that that was the intent, at least not from the way that I saw it. I don't think it, like his intent was to make a racist remark. I think he was definitely saying something that was trying to get under uh, Lukaku's skin. And, you know, both guys end up getting a lot of things were said. I mean, you know, Lukaku saying something about his wife and, you know, Zlatan said something about his mother and they were going back and forth for a long time. But th- this is th- that that's the scuffle that has everyone talking. And I, I want to get the, the Milan perspective first, uh, Miguel. I mean, how how were you reacting to that whole situation? And, and you kind of came out of it saying saying what? Like, what was what were your thoughts on that? Well, initially, I was watching the game and I saw that, you know, Romagnoli fouled uh, Lukaku. And then I was like, oh, snap, Lukaku's kind of pissed. Like, that wasn't a dirty foul. It was a, it was a bit of, uh, you know, an unnecessary foul. But then initially when um, he started to argue with Zlatan, um, I could hear that someone was saying, your shit, your shit. And I was like, oh, okay. So it's, it's trash talking right now. Um, it wasn't until when uh, Paolo Valeri blew the halftime whistle and the players were leaving the pitch where Lukaku like needed to be restrained. And I was like, oh snap, like this, this is serious. Like, and in my head, I'm thinking, well, Lukaku doesn't act like this. The only reason why he would act like this is if something racist was said. Now, I know Milan. None of their players are racist. The the club often speaks out against racism. Uh, we saw it happen last year with the CDI campaign with the monkey uh, thingy that went on. Um, so I was like, it's definitely not something racist. Um, but then when I figured out 
what happened because I was like, oh, yo, Twitter, do your thing. What what did this person say? What did that person say? Um, I realized that it was just, you know, banter. Zlatan was literally just trying to get into Lukaku's head. It worked. Um, and Lukaku would just lost it. Um, yeah. Yeah, sure. He made a yo mama joke, but Lukaku said something along the lines that was as equal. So it's just banter. I don't think it's serious. I don't think there's any racism. It's just, you know, it was a derby and emotions got high, tensions got high. Uh, a fight almost grew and that's it. That's that. The players have come out and said, you know, Zlatan came out and said he's not racist. Um, Lukaku didn't say anything of it. He just posted a picture of Inter celebrating. So I think that was that. It was just a derby. Um, and this is what we like to see in derbies. We like to see the fights, you know. Uh, I was worried that Lukaku would have gotten a red card at one point, but that didn't happen. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, honestly, I thought that either guy or both guy might have gotten a red card because they kept like jawing at each other and they kept coming back together. I, I do want to ask you, Miguel, one more thing. And uh, you know, I thought Mo had a good question here in the chat. Can we ask Miguel, since he's the only Milanista here, about the decisions? Uh, and, and let me know if I leave anything out here. I mean, obviously, there was the penalty that was awarded to Inter on the, mm -hmm. uh, uh, I think it was uh, Leao uh, yeah, fouling Varela. And then we had the, the Zlatan ejection for the second yellow. H how did you feel about those? And if there's anything else I'm leaving out. Well, as to the Zlatan yellow, I thought that that was kind of soft because throughout the entire game, Zlatan didn't foul any player. He got the yellow card for the scuffle with Lukaku. Halftime came. Paulo Valeri could have at least given Zlatan a warning before giving him um, a red card. I think that that foul was, it was a stupid foul, yes, of course, um, but I didn't think it needed to warrant a yellow because that yellow completely shifted uh, the momentum of the game and Inter took advantage of that. Um, as to the decisions that were made, um, a lot I've seen a lot of videos on the slide tackle with Leao on Barella, and some angles make it seem like Leao didn't touch him. Other angles make it seem like he did touch him. In my opinion, that tackle was stupid from Leao. Regardless, he didn't need to slide tackle like that, extending his leg like that. Um, and because he extended his leg like that, I think that is why the penalty was given. Um, a lot of Interisti are also pointing out how in the last derby there was a, a penalty that was missed. So this is basically Milan's karma. Um, the penalty was given. There's nothing we can do about it. It was scored by Lukaku. That's that. That's how I feel about it. Yeah, and, and like a lot of people were saying, uh, I've never seen Lukaku take a penalty kick with as much gusto as he took that one. It's like he was pretending the ball was Latan's head. <laughs> yeah. I want to bring in, uh, I want to bring in Ricky uh, on this conversation. Um, you know, Ricky, w when that little scuffle was going on, when when Zlatan and Lukaku were drawing at each other, and I thought Miguel was right. I've never seen Lukaku lose his cool like that. Like at, at any point, you know, obviously I paid more attention to him at Inter, but even at United and with Belgium, I, I've never, I've never seen Lukaku look that like angry and perturbed before. Uh, so what were you thinking while that whole situation was unfolding? Yeah. Like Miguel uh, had said, Oh, make sure. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, like Miguel had said, uh, at first I thought it was something racist that had been said, like maybe from an official, Similar to like the Besiktas game with PSG. Uh, but 
when I saw that it was him and uh, Zlatan going at it, I'm like, oh, snap, something's about to go down. Yeah, yeah, Zlatan is like a master instigator. I mean, and just, you know, a few days prior, you had you had the comment to Duvan Zapata about how oh, I've, I've scored more goals than you've played games in your career. And so th- this guy is always, he's always trying to rattle people. Uh, Mario, uh, what were your thoughts on everything that went on with Lukaku and Zlatan? It, I think what really bothered Lukaku the most was that he thought Zlatan was his boy. So that's probably why uh, the voodoo comments really bothered him so badly and talking about his mother and all that, obviously. But because uh, if you look, I watched a video from when Lukaku and Ibrahimovic were playing at Manchester United together. Zlatan only had good things to say. He was like, uh, he makes my job easy, you know, coming from the MLS and it's transition. He opens up the game for me, whatever he said. He went through a whole interview about how Lukaku and him work together and the whole thing. So <clears throat> I feel like it was more Lukaku felt betrayed in the moment. Um, and I didn't really think it was racially motiv- motivated because, like I said before, they've been trying to fight racism in Serie A for so long. And now without the fans, there's really there's literally no excuse for the players. Um, but I was listening, and I'm like, the whole time, I'm like, these guys fight in English because I hear like shit, and, and I'm like, wait, what? I'm like, what, did Zlatan learn Belgian just to talk shit to Lukaku at this point? Because that would be a very Zlatan move if he did. It would that. be the he most would learn Belgian ever. just to shit talk somebody. He, he would do that. He's like, you know, it's like, uh, like the like Mark Wahlberg from the other guy. He's like, yeah, I learned how to do ballet so I can talk shit to all these kids that I bully. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like I'm like, and then. As it just progressed, I'm like, oh, my God, these guys are just going on and on and on. It's like, oh, your mother, no, your mother. And then I'm like – and then I hear Lukaku, who honestly, you, I have to I have to play both sides of this. His remarks are no better than what Zlatan said because he's like uh, – he said, F you and your wife, I'll shoot you. You know, you can't play the victim and then say something like that. So I, I feel like all the interisti are just looking past that. I, I don't think either of them are right, but you can't, you can't, uh, you know, put the whole thing on, on Zlatan. Defense Zlatan or not, last half, though. <laughs> I mean, yeah, <laughs> he did. And and on the yellow card, I think it's a yellow because if if I'm the referee. That's a yellow card offense. It, it's not a warning offense, especially with what's going on. You're just gonna, you're gonna allow an Inter player to then go at Zlatan, go at, at um, Leao, at whoever, and then from there, then you bring out more red cards than one red card, and the game you're gonna lo- completely lose the game. They're just gonna be fighting back and forth if he doesn't do anything. So he had to give that second yellow, in my opinion, because. It's going to turn into a shit show otherwise. Well, and, and the thing for me, and I'll bring Jerry in on uh, for a second. Uh, the thing for I'll me on the, second, the thing for me on the second yellow was uh, that that's just a dumb challenge there. I mean, to 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 make that challenge from behind, uh, I just thought that that was poor judgment. I can understand why people thought that hey, that was a little bit soft as a second yellow, right? I mean, if, if he didn't already have a yellow, then. And I know Mario's shaking his head because I understand you should treat every foul independently. I'm just saying it doesn't usually get done that way, especially not in the city. Ah, like like referees know this guy's on a yellow. Maybe I'm not going to give him a second yellow. But that doesn't excuse how dumb it was because I I really thought that Zlatan should have known better to attempt that challenge in the first place. 
Uh, so then, yeah, people can argue if it was soft. Um, I thought it was it, it was fun. It was. Oh, go ahead, Mario. But would you give that as a first yellow card? I think you would. Yeah. That's Absolutely, exactly I agree. Yeah. That's exactly yeah, why it's a second yellow card offense. Yeah. It's not. It's not a, a soft. It's a yellow card. End of story. Because uh, he breaks up a play. It's a scoring opportunity. He breaks it up, and that's it. It. it at the end of the day, if you're breaking up a scoring play, it's warrants a yellow card. It's unfortunate that it was the second one because of his first one was really stupid, but that's it. That that's as much as I see it. Now, it, uh, am I prohibited from swearing tonight, uh, Alex, or am I free to go? No, just tre- tre- I, I think I've already sworn. It, so you, okay. you, you're due. Okay, I, I oh, I'm sold you. I'm the neutral, right? <laughs> yeah. Zlatan's a dumb fucking idiot. He's an idiot. He's a stupid idiot. I'm sorry. First off, if you're gonna talk about someone's mom. What do you think? The guy's not gonna react and go nuts. Okay, yes, I agree that. I think he want. I think he wanted him to yeah, react. He wanted, he wanted to get himself sent off. It. At the yeah. end of the day, Lukaku is not that kind of guy, but he's very easy to to trigger. He's tr- like a. You say you're ugly, and that's it. He's gone. He just loses his mind, and that's what Zlatan does. Because Zlatan thinks he can get in your head, and and he knows how to control you. But at the end of the day, it actually hurt him more than it hurt Inter. Because he picked up a second yellow, he couldn't avoided the first yellow, and and I feel that the moment he did that, it brought the momentum to Inter side. Up until that point, Milan was controlling the game, or even just vice versa. Just the fact that it was neutral, there wasn't one sided, but either side could have won. Then you go into the second half. He takes a dumb yellow, which he could have like avoided. He's down. He puts his side down. A man. He's the the leader, the captain of the team, and all of a sudden, you lose. You, you lost everything. The, the, Milan lost control of the game right at the end of the first half, and then that's how the the, the game changed basically. So for me, yeah, I, I agree with Miguel, and the comments are wrong from Lukaku. Like I, I agree with you guys. The comments from Lukaku is unwarranted. It, it doesn't need to. Be, yeah. It's not needed. You're you're right. But it, it it could have been prevented from the beginning. Has Laton like w- what's Laton thinking, saying that shit to him? Like, okay, he 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 made a challenge on him or whatever it triggered it. But like, it's not like this is your first game. It's not needed in, in that derby. Like now they're gonna play what two more weeks again? Three more weeks and yeah, three weeks. February twenty first. And Inter's gonna be ready for this, man. Like he, they're gonna be so motivated, especially being a top two in the table. Like that's a lot more motivation for them. Um, I I just think that if at the end of the day, Milan was playing pretty well in the first half. They weren't they weren't getting dominated. I thought Inter wasn't like very good, but as soon as they were up a man, that's when the game tilted, and that was it, man. So that that's just uh, me being a neutral, guys. I, I just think that Zlatan sometimes he thinks. He's heroic and he can just say whatever he wants because he thinks he's on another level, but he's not at the end of the day. And Lukaku, what a, what a penalty shot. You're right, Alex. Powerful, man. I've never, yeah. that, the bar down and that was never going to get stopped. And Uncle Sharma is making me laugh tonight, guys, by the way. Sky Punjab live reporting. Like, I, I had to piss my pants on that one. And, <laughs> I, I don't that, know if you know the backstory on Sky Punjab. Sky Punjab, um, <laughs> over a year ago, 
reported that uh, that Inter were interested in bringing back Eder from from Jiangsu, and then a year later, Demarzio was reporting it. So Sky Punjab is seeing things 4D chess, like they they see things a year in advance. Man, Sky Punjab is the shit. Um, I, I want to get Jerry's opinion on one thing. Uh, Miguel already weighed in on this a little bit, but if he has something to add to it later, that's fine. But on, on the penalty that was awarded uh, for uh, the, the the tackle on Barella, uh, personally, uh, I, I thought Miguel described it very well because people are passing around different camera angles of it and they're breaking it down like it's the Zapruder film. Um, and it's, it's, it's fun to do that, I guess. And I see a lot of people saying, oh, like from this angle, he wasn't touched, like Barella wasn't touched. Um, I understand how it may have looked that way, but here's my thing. And I'm an amateur physicist weighing in. Okay. I don't see how, if he wasn't touched his feet and his legs could have reacted to the, the phantom contact the way that it did. This guy would have to have the diving skills of Dybala to be able to react the, the with the perfection <laughs> that he did in concert with the tackle. So, and I, you know, I know people are going to say, oh, listen to this ridiculous Interista, like breaking down the physics of the play. Uh, I just don't see how his feet could have moved that way if there wasn't any contact. I think there had to have been contact. So I've said my piece on it. I I think it was a rightful penalty personally. What do you think, Jerry? Well, it kind of has similar instincts to like Wesley Hoot yesterday when he uh, drew the penalty. And I know that that was kind of more, way more visible as opposed to Leal. But anytime you 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 put your body out like that and you're stretched out and you're you're gonna go for the a committed challenge like that, more than any time you're gonna be committing a foul. And you better be sure that you're gonna get full ball and no ball, no player. And I think Leal did get a piece of him. Just the way he he's going into that challenge, he he's full out going sprawling out and he's at his legs. Even if it's the slightest touch and it's soft, you're making contact. The minute you make contact into the box, you got VAR. VAR is going to get is going to come in. They're going to make the call. Okay, even the slightest of touches, it's gonna it's, it's gonna be ruled a penalty. So, I I'm always one who who doesn't like those kind of challenges because more than ever you're you're putting your side at risk as opposed to helping your team uh, i don't know many players who are able to are very good at challenges like that i i know not because I'm, I'm a laziala fan but i know a guy like chirby is very confident when he makes his challenges in the box and more than none he always is really accurate and, and timely on them and um another one stefan devray is really good when he's in the box but very few are are good at that that talent so that that's just the way I kind of um, I've seen that challenge. It it can it's hard because you're on the other end and, and you're that Milan fan. You're like, oh, that's the softest call. Hardly touched him, jumped over. And then when you're on the other side and you're into it's like, oh well, he just grazed him. It's that's you don't make the challenge even if you graze them. But I'll, I'll say one side topic. That sausage maker fucking sucks. He got outplayed by Perisic yet on Tuesday. Alatoser? Bossed. 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 I'm sorry, man. I don't like that's one guy I do not like on Milan is Sausage Maker. And uh <laughs> why don't you like him? I, I don't like him. I, I I you know what? Sure, he, he provides motivation. He can run. That's great. 
But well, after that, I just don't think he's skillful. I don't think he's a skillful player. Um, yeah. The, since he since he returned, I know he just came back from injury, but even before that, I just don't think he he provides a lot to the team. It, yeah, that's just me. That's just me, though. I think he's just a hard worker. That's yeah. great. But after that, I I think that Milan has done a lot of good stuff this year. Uh, Diaz, I thought was really good on Tuesday when he came in. I think he came in what second half. If I'm mistaken, or he did he start the whole game? I, I don't read. He started, yeah, right? He started. Okay, yeah. that was a game prior than on Saturday against Atalanta. Um, I just think that a guy like Kim has really excelled his game and has really helped him in that midfield. Um, there, there has been like I think Simon Kerr got hurt. That's a big loss. I think he's been one of the best players for Milan. And then I was impressed that Tomori came in and, and played really well. I thought I thought that was a good uh, a good debut for him. Absolutely. I, I'm just not a big Salas maker guy. I, I'm, I think he's overhyped personally. Um, and, and, with, and with Liao, I think Liao is a very good player, just not used properly. Can't be I used think, as a number nine. I don't like as a number nine. He's a, he's a winger. That's I just, think that the was, issue. I think I like the to hear issue, you think. I think the issue with uh, uh, sausage maker. Um, I don't think he's overhyped. I just think that Milan player, uh, Milan fans have just seen the amount of growth that he's had since he's been here and that's why they're giving him that praise like we know he's not a talented player he doesn't do anything special he doesn't have any silky skill moves like no crazy passes um but he's just a really efficient hard worker and when he does work hard and it works out it's beautiful for milan and it helps the team unlike someone named castillejo who works his ass off but when it comes to providing in the offense it doesn't work out um so that's why i think that uh sausage maker gets that praise i don't think he's overhyped because nobody hails him as you know oh he's the best winger in the world because all milan fans know we need a new world class champions of football so that we can excel in this team um but yeah i definitely understand where you're coming from with the the comments on sausage maker yeah. I, I want to touch on such something, Samuel Castillejo. I think what really hurt him was that injury against Lazio last year. And yeah. he, before, prior to in that game, he was the best player against Lazio. Um, Good game, yeah. Sorry? Good game you picked. Oh, not, not because Lazio won. I, I, <laughs> I'm going to talk about the actual line. Lazio won that game because Castillejo got hurt. And yeah. he was dominating that right side. I still remember when he got hurt. I think it was in the first half, around the 35th minute. He came out. He, he got an ankle injury or leg injury. Poor guy. He was playing some of the best football prior to that, that injury. I think he had like a string of like five good games and finally got his form. And then he got hurt. And that was that, that was it for the season. He, he was never the same again. And this guy just can't stay healthy. I think that's why you, you guys don't see that, that production of what you've been waiting for with Samuel Castillejo. And I'm a firm believer that when you you get hurt once, you get hurt twice, you get hurt three times, it, it sticks in the back of your head and it really hurts your performance because then you start st- second-guessing how you play, how you make yeah, your challenge. Like yeah. I, don't, I, I haven't watched a lot of him, but I know he, like, I was... uh ACL twice. See? Can you imagine yeah. if you tore, tore your ACL twice? Like, it's like Mohamed Fadis for Lazio. We signed a guy that's freaking broken goods, man. Uh, like it blows my mind. He's been hurt like nine times. He's like 
not even I think he's like 23 or 24 and like it's or even younger but still it, it, it creeps in the back of your head and I think that may have played a part with Sammy Samuel Castillo I like him I like the way he works hard too and I think he still has something he can offer this team it's just mm-hmm. it's hiding personally but it, it, it is what it is I guess right any yeah. player that tears their ACL I'm out on them like ASAP like it happens once it's gonna happen again that's for me at least because I've seen how many yeah. we've seen how many players tear their ACL, they come back, they're either not as good or they just get hurt again trying to do the same kind of stuff that they used to do. And it's it's either the same knee or it was the other one. Look at Zaniolo. I'm out. I'm completely out on him. He's done in my eyes. He's not going to have the same career, that, that yeah. trajectory that he used to have. I don't know, man. Zaniolo, I I, I, I won't count that guy out yet. You, you got, I, I agree. I only say that it was Castillejo because we've seen how he came back after an injury. We need to see how Zaniolo comes back now after a second injury. Maybe he comes back even stronger than the first. Maybe he overcomes my, mentally. Like, it's a mental thing too, right? Like, if if you can overcome it mentally, then he'll become even stronger. But that time will only tell, right? But I only go based on players where we've seen when they have returned and how they they look when they on the field now. So, so real quick, before we move on to some midseason stuff, I want to get uh, Ricky and Mario's thoughts on on the calls on the penalty awarded for the uh, the layout foul on Barella and on Zlatan's second uh, yellow card and, and being sent off. R- Ricky, what were your thoughts on that? Do you think they got it right? Uh, for the layout one, it is pretty tricky. Make sure my thing's on. Uh, I mean, when you do look at it from different angles, it kind of looks like, all right, Kind of didn't touch him, but I mean, Barella wouldn't do that. Barella is not a known person to, to overact or oversell anything. And I kind of do assume that contact was made, so I think they got the call there. Well, uh, I'll cut you but off. The one for his... I'll say because I, I know people are going to bring this up if one of us don't. There, there was I can't remember which match it was in, but there was that time where uh, where where Barella like it like it hit his hand and then he like he said oh it hit me in the face like and he acted really well so so there, there was that one oh, time was was like an Academy Award winning performance I'll admit that but go ahead oh okay <laughs> and then the one for uh, Zlatan I mean uh, it's already way late into the game I mean if this is like the first ten minutes you'd probably the ref would probably give a warning for that like okay look calm down it's the first ten minutes. Uh, need to calm it down, but it's like way late into the game, and the way he came at it too is like, nah, it's a second yellow, or at least a yellow card defense, which gives him a second yellow. What did you think, Mario, of the officiating and the calls? I think they were good. I mean, honestly, I, I try to give as unbiased as, as I can, regardless of who I support. I'm the first person to say that's a it's a penalty for for Milan. If if it's a penalty, I I, I don't care. Um, I think the penalty was a penalty. I think that there was enough contact. There was contact, as Alex had uh, had physically shown us before with his his uh, amateur physics degree. I'm a pro, buddy. Relax. Professional. Excuse me. Excuse me. So I, I feel like there was there was contact because um, if you look at the way he's he's turning with his his body and his head, his face is not looking at. At, um, at the leg, where the positioning of the leg. So in order to, to execute a dive like that, you have to know that the leg's there, know that it, you know you have to think of so many things before you even hit. He felt contact, he went down. 
it's a penalty to, to anything. It doesn't matter how soft. There's enough contact to make you to to move your leg in any way to, to take away from the original motion. It's a penalty. Um, yellow card. I explained before. If it's a first yellow card offense, doesn't matter. It's a second yellow. Um, no matter how soft people might think. Um, I, I thought the officiating was good. Um, I, I was expecting a red card to come out in the first half when they were fighting, honestly. I thought something was going to happen, uh, if anything. But um, I don't know. I, I, I didn't have any problems with the officiating. I thought it was pretty fair. A lot of Milan fans are saying that, oh, Ethan of the 12th man, the referee, this and that. I, I don't think that's the case in this game. <laughs> I, I feel like the, ref, the refs were – weren't trying to, to give the game. They weren't trying to sell the game. Uh, I, I didn't notice anything. The, the calls were both ways. Um, there wasn't – like at first he didn't want to give the penalty. We saw that. He went to VAR. He looked at it. And then there wasn't any evidence that gave the referees and the VAR referees that it wasn't a penalty because they looked at it from – from I don't, I, I don't know how many angles, four or five angles, whatever it was, and they concluded that's a penalty. Not not the referee on the spot, and he didn't take it away. He went to VAR and called it. It's you know, um, fucking Jerry. Um, <laughs> You're letting Jerry rattle you like Zlatan on Lukaku. A little bit. I'm gonna, I'm gonna come after his voodoo over here. Jerry's Canadian voodoo, where he puts maple syrup all over himself and then, and then hugs a bear or something. Uh, but I, I want to give. A lot of credit to uh, Tomori. I feel like he stepped up and proved that he's going to be a good Milan signing because he came what two days before the game, whatever it was, like within yeah. a week, three days, or something like that. He, yeah. he stepped in for Kyaer, one of the best center backs in Serie A right now, probably top within the top five easily, in my opinion, because he's from Palermo. Obviously, no bias whatsoever on that one. But <laughs> he stepped in and he held down Lukaku and Lautaro. I, he did a phenomenal job. They didn't, they didn't have any any space or anything um, on that one. So I give him a lot, a lot of credit, especially to, to step in in such a big game, the Derby, two days, and his ice and his veins over here. He, he would have taken a penalty if they went to penalties. He would have scored a penalty and walked away like nothing happened. Freaking killer. I like him. <laughs> um, uh, but the Lautaro call, that one – the, for the free kick at the end, that one I haven't been able to see a clear replay because on Twitter, I've, I forgot to play because I didn't even care about it because Erickson scored. But uh, before that, everyone zoomed in on the legs of Lautaro. And if I am correct, with the thousand times zoom, it looks like his leg was touched before he kicked himself, which alluded to him kicking himself leading to the foul. And that's a foul if, if that's what happened. If he just kicked himself, it's a bad call. Uh, then, you know, then you can go and question everything that happened, but I don't care because Eric can scored. That's <laughs> of my course, mind. yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and on that note, let's, uh, let's turn the page from this. Uh, I never would have thought we'd be talking this much about a Coppa Italia match, but that, that one was pretty damn epic. Uh, we're going to turn the page to a, a Serie A midseason. Well, Alex, go ahead. I just want to say one thing. I looked at the replay again right now, and it's it, it, you know what it, it it it's the softest call you'll probably ever get as an interista. Uh, I, 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 I looked at it again and again and again, and the more I look at it, 
the more I, I second guess myself and said, did he really, did he really touch him or did he jump over him? Like, because when you're actually looking, I, I looked at the. Oh, replay, so you're talking about the uh, the Barella thing. Yeah. I thought you were talking about the Lotaro thing. No, no, no! Fuck that guy. Um, that guy, Lotaro is shit. Let's say he's done. And so they're talking bad. about a contract extension <laughs> with that guy. Fucking, it, it blows my mind how how you, you you play shit, you get a contract extension. Um, Di Francesco, hold on, Di Francesco. <laughs> Uh, uh, wasn't this in what twelve games or thirteen games gets a contract renewal? It's it play shit, coach shit. You get a new contract. That's the way it is these days, man. But yeah. with with that Milan, I think he's he grazes him. That's it, man. And, and I think it's a weak call because there's no. I, I think he and you even see him pull his foot back. He's making the attempt to pull his foot back as he's going across, and it doesn't even look like it's going near him. But but it's still like it, 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 it's, it's to me it, to me it's reckless enough. But it's not reckless because it's his left foot, this left leg that's going aggressively, not his right. You can see it's it, it's not his right leg that's going after him. It's the right leg that's being pulled back, and then. I don't know if it even touches him or not, but you see him jump over him like it's a circus act. Like, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I, I think it's soft, man. I, I, you know what? You're, you're gonna penalty. When it's inconclusive, you're gonna give what the call is on the field. That that's the problem here. I think that's more why the call was made. It's just so, it's so inconclusive that you're gonna go on the hunch that he grazes him, and that's it. Like, you're right, it, it is a reckless challenge, but I think it's more of a reckless challenge in, in the sense that he's going with his left leg, not his right leg. And his left leg doesn't go at him. It's his right leg that gets pulled back. But it is what it is. No, I don't think Kazuzo should get fired. No, I think uh, I think you stick with him. I just saw this question right now. Yeah, we can keep going. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, well, why don't, why don't we uh, we start with that real quick uh, since uh, since Joseph brought up this question. Do you guys think Napoli should fire Gattuso or should he get to the end of the season to prove himself? Um, obviously, like, it's hard for me to say until the end of the season because we're only we're only halfway through. And so things can get a lot worse or they can get a lot better. OK, but as for right now, um, I, I overall, I, I think Gattuso, when he took over for Ancelotti last season, I, I think he he made dramatic improvements, I thought, at least initially to the mentality of the squad uh, and the quality of the squad. And so I, I know that sometimes De Laurentiis can be a little bit quick on the trigger finger to get rid of a manager. Like, I, I think in this case, um, there are two questions you ask yourself. Does Gattuso really deserve it? Like, because one thing for me is um, one of the reasons why I can sometimes sign off on sacking a manager midseason if they've lost the dressing room. But I don't think Gattuso has lost the dressing room. Like, I, I think he still I think he still has the support of his players. And that's not everything, but it's something like to me, because it's an emergency. If you've lost your dressing room and they're not playing for a manager, then sometimes your hands are tied. You have to sack the manager. I don't think he's lost the dressing room. That's number one. Could the results be better? Absolutely. But Napoli have also dealt with injuries. I mean, Osimhen's been gone for a long time. A lot of guys have been shuffling in and out injuries and COVID, I should say. I know stuff that other clubs have dealt with. And yeah, the results have been disappointing. Uh, and then the like the other question is, if you stack him, who are you replacing him with? I mean, uh, Benitez, 
Spalletti, Allegri? Is are, are they going to bring Sadi back? Like uh, you know, to come back and save the day dramatically? Like that, that's the other question. Like, are, are you really going to have an upgrade if you fire Gattuso? And I'm not sure, Mario. I think I think you have a take on it because you you were just uh, you looked a little animated there. I I don't understand why they would want to bring back Benitez. He's the worst manager in, on this side of the Mississippi. I hate <laughs> that man. He's the only person who could take a, a freaking treble winning team and turn them into nothing. This is the man anybody <laughs> wants to coach. This he's he's a freaking useless manager. I don't understand. Like like Gattuso has has been so good for them uh, since since Ancelotti, and, and sure he didn't get the the excellent run of, of results that uh, are going to put you into second place where you've been for the past God knows how long, six, seven years. You, um, But he's doing a good job with what he has. They had a lot of injuries. Um, they're buying players that I don't feel like they'll get the best out of in these lineups. So I, like – Oshiman and 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 especially Fabian Ruiz, I hate that guy so much. Yeah, I don't like him. I, I don't think Napoli fans rate him either at this point. They do. They they they're starting to realize because because I, I talk to a lot of Napoli people all, all day, and at first like oh no he's so skillful he's good he's this he's that he's talented I'm like yeah okay Barcelona Barcelona wanted him for sixty million but he chose Napoli all this all this bullshit and, and I tell him okay. Well, I watch him play, and I see him. I see six players on Napoli going on a counterattack. The ball gets to Fabian Ruiz in midfield. He goes back to Ospina. Who does that? Who the fuck does that? I hate him. And he scored that stupid goal on Inter last year. Yes, I, that. I knew you were getting that. I hated him before that, and that just solidified my hate for him. If if I could, I would trade him for a washing machine. He's not. Gattuso's not the problem. Fabian Ruiz is the problem. Look at their midfield today. They played Demi. They played Zelensky, and they played. Um, who was the other one? It wasn't Bakayoko like normal. It was. I don't know. Uh, I, couldn't, I couldn't watch it today. I was at work. I, I did. I did have Napoli minus one and a half. So thank God they covered. But I couldn't actually watch it. I think it was Elma, something like that. And the the three, the midfield was excellent. The first half they were excellent. Everything worked. I like Deme in that position. Uh, Diego Marademe. Um, I feel like he he's a Elmas. Yes, thank you. Um, thank you, Mo, my man. Uh, he, those three work well, and I think Bakayoko is an upgrade to to Elmas on on a normal day against any other team. But Spezia was was bad today, and Napoli was really good today. Um, I, I feel like if 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 Gattuso can get them a, a little more um, consistent to to win games, it's not even about the performance. It's it's a little bit performance because they haven't been the best, but they've been grinding results. They've been getting ties when they don't deserve ties. They've been getting wins when they don't deserve wins. And I'm the first person to say a win's a win, and if you can grind out a tie that saves you a loss, great. Um, <clears throat> I want to say one more thing uh, with Gattuso. Uh, they have one of the best goal differentials in the league. Uh, Joe was telling me, Joe Bianco, my man, he was telling me um, they're second to only Inter now um, in Serie A. They were tied, and now I think they're second place, whatever the case is, or they were best, and now they're tied. One of those, but that just shows you that they are capable of scoring and defending. Which, if you can score, you're great. If you can defend, even better. You're, you're not leaking goals left and right. Conte and Gattuso both haven't leaked goals this year, and Napoli, with a few unfortunate events or results, they're they're struggling. But if they have a winner, like two more wins, they're in title contention right there. 
I don't think they're that far off um, as far down as there. So I don't think it's time for, for Napoli to panic at, at, at all. Um, and I want to shout out Carmine for that video of Zlatan. Thank you. Well, and l- let me finish how many going points around. Are Go ahead, Ricky. Uh, how many points are they from top four? They are. Um, they're on thirty-four. They're they're only they're only two points out of the top four, and they've got a game in hand. Well, so 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 do Juventus, who are currently in fourth, but they're 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 two oh, points behind Atalanta, who are in fifth. So they're only two points out of fourth place. Yeah, they have to make up that game that they they lost. Lost. Well, lost and then the loss was wiped out. <laughs> yeah, the the game with the COVID where they couldn't travel, where they were forced not to travel, they overturned that one. So that's the game. What well, what do you think, Ricky? Should Gattuso be sacked or more time? Uh, I'd say give him more time. What do you think, Miguel? Uh, yeah, I agree. I'd give Gattuso very much more time. Um, you need to look at Gattuso's track history. Um, you see that everywhere that he has coached, he has steadied the ship. Um, look at what he did at Milan. He brought Milan one point away from top four. Um, and Milan decided to let him go. I don't know why. I was absolutely gutted when that happened. Um, but Gattuso is really a manager who cares about his team. He cares about the mentality. Um you saw how Napoli was a mess before he arrived and he managed to put everybody in check. And now everybody is out there and they're fighting and they're playing some really good football. Sometimes it doesn't work out. Sometimes they don't get the best of results. We're living in unreal times with COVID injuries and playing at least two to three games every week. Um, But yeah, like you said, he's only two points away from top four. So why would you get rid of him? He won you guys Coppa Italia. Like, the man has been giving good results. Although he's not in top four right now, we're only halfway through the season. And right. this is still, yeah, anything can happen. We've seen how in the last two seasons that all results end up matter, mattering to the final day of the, of the season, where a team either loses Champions League by one point or loses the Scudetto by one point. So why would you get rid of him now and erase all the progress that he's made since Ancelotti was there? So I want to I want to change topics back to the uh, the midseason review, and I want to uh, I, I want to start with Miguel since he's already he's already waxing poetic because I, I want to get uh, your perspective on on Milan. Um, obviously, it's been a great first half of the season overall, and that really goes back to the end of last season. Post-lockdown, Milan has been overall in tremendous form. Um, and, you know, they they finished the the first 19 match days as Winter Scudetto, Winter Scudetti, which I, listen, I, the Italian media makes a big deal out of it. I don't know if other, if other leagues like uh, in the UK, if they care as much, but it, it is something that's made a big deal out of in Italy. 43 points atop the league, two points ahead of Inter, uh, you know, six, seven points ahead of uh, six points ahead of Roma, who are in third place. So overall, Miguel, uh, what are your feelings on the season? What has surprised you most in a good way? And if there's anything that stands out in a bad way, because I know that there have been, you know, a couple losses uh, in, in recent weeks, including in Coppa Italia. So where are you at right now? Your progress report with Milan. Uh, my progress report with Milan right now, I'd give them a, a B plus. Um, obviously, they have definitely 
you know, achieved above my expectations. Uh, they've managed to win games that I didn't think that they were going to win or games that I thought they were going to draw. Uh, Stefano Pioli has managed to find a way to get results with the injuries with the COVID positive tests and all that. Um, and I think that as a Milan fan, we went into this season going, you know, Milan should aim for top four. We came in fifth last season, top four should be the goal. So if we can build off of that progress, then it's, it's a great season, okay? Going into the season, we didn't have any dreams of Scudetto. And I tell myself all the time, it's great that we're in first place, but anything can happen. Um, so yes, we've been crowned winter Scudetti winners, but that, that means absolutely jack shit to me. I don't care about that because we have seen Milan play really good for a couple periods of time and then they slack off and all hell breaks loose. Um, and again, I think last season, as many of the players have come out to say, that 5-0 loss to Atalanta really did something to them. Um, and yes, we lost to Atalanta again not too long ago. It was 3-0, but it wasn't the best of games. Um, but we're still dealing with these, you know, injuries and this, this COVID situation. And to lose 3-0 to a team that's in Champions League and a team that's already beat you before when you're not at full strength isn't terrible to me. We lost two games and we lost to Juve and Atalanta, both top four sides. They both play in the Champions League. So that's that's honestly great to me. I would be gutted if we lost to Hellas Verona or if we lost to um, Spezia, but we haven't lost those games. Those games that... Inter, on the other hand, can't manage to pull the result. We have pulled the result, and that has made the difference for us this season. You know, and I do, uh, we've got three people to give a progress report on Inter, but before we get to that, I, I want Jerry's Lazio progress report because, you know, honestly, um, it, it's almost uh, surprising and it's a pleasant surprise that you look at the table, and I know Lazio are technically in seventh, right? But on 34 points, much like Napoli, uh, they're only two points out of fourth place and you know there there was a time jerry uh, up until a couple weeks ago where it looked like Lazio were in crisis like in terrible terrible form they've snapped out of it and, and now you look at the squad and they're you know the goal for you guys of course has, has always been this year you know to get back into the top four to get into champions league for the second year in a row and it's very much up for grabs heading into the second place i'm sure i'm sure you have some regrets in the first half but overall the results have not been nearly as bad as they felt like. So what's your progress report for Lazio? I don't have regrets because the circumstances were we had up to 12 players missing due to COVID and injuries um, in the Champions League, and then we followed up with a second match with eight players out. It's It hasn't been any continuity with this team where Immobile has been out, Alberto's been out, Savage has been out, Vidat Mariki arrived late, and, and I think that there has been a lot of criticism on him, but when you arrive late from the transfer market, two injuries, COVID, how do you have time to actually understand the tactics and, and, and be right. able to get up to speed? And, and, and then, it, only, it only puts more pressure on you. So, like, a, a couple of the shit performances that you had a couple weeks ago, like, you know, it's not only not knowing the tactics and not being that familiar with the teammates, but there's probably also some nerves and pressure, and it looks to me like – Muriki, who I've seen score a couple of nice goals, including you know that that long distance header, uh, you know, in midweek oh, really? against Atalanta, like he he's hitting form now. No, absolutely, he he looks healthy. I think that's what 
the most important thing is he looks really energetic and he doesn't look fatigued at, at any moment throughout the game yesterday against Parma. He was effective against Sassuolo coming off the bench in eight, for eight minutes. Um, I, I praise Inzaghi. And I think the biggest thing he did in the last two weeks, and, and I'm going to kind of like cross-reference here with Gattuso because I wanted to save a Gattuso part here. And sure. The thing that could really hinder Gattuso's job and what is not hindering Inzaghi's job is that he rotated his squad in both Copa Italia games. You saw Pereira play, uh, Mariki play, Wesley Hoop pay, played, um, they're, they're, um, Akpa Agpro played. Fares came off and played. These are things that you need to see from Gattuso, which that I'm very curious to see because now you got two Copa Italia games, you got your two, two uh, Europa, Europa League games, you got your league, and Gattuso is so, is so stubborn not to rotate his uh, his lineup. So I want to see him use other players more. I know that I think he, he benched a few players today and he kind of rotated. But I want to see if he's reluctant to do it against a team like Juventus next week. Sorry, Atalanta. And, and those are the decisions. Because and, and, and in part, I also wrote a piece earlier where basically – this is a guy who who basically brought um, what's his name, Hervin uh, Lozano, back to life. And where was Lozano last year? He, this guy was lost. He, Napoli wanted him out. Biggest signing. I'll read that in a second. But um, <laughs> I'll leave it up there for you. <laughs> but um, <laughs> what's it called? He he brought Lozano back to life. So people forget that. I think he's a leader. I I wouldn't fire him. I think it's stupid. They're, look at Chelsea. They got rid of their goal, their coach. What the? What's Tuchel gonna do now? He, he. I heard on a pod. Okay, there is not enough time to put your philosophy <clears throat> make changes because of how many games there are, and there's not enough training within the week to implement your your strategies, your tactics in order to like bring your philosophy to the team. You're going to need a whole summer to do that. It would it made no sense to bring Tuchel for for Chelsea right now. And I think that with with uh, Napoli if they bring a new manager, by the time they actually come up to speed, they come reference understanding what they believe in, it, it's going to be a shit show. I would stick with Catuzo. I don't think it's been bad. He's got the second lowest goals allowed in the league, I think, with 18. I was just looking at it. But let me just read this. Jerry Mancini, December 23rd, 2020. I'm done with that. <laughs> you did say that. Dude. You did say that on Twitter. Hold on. Read it out loud because some people may only listen back to the audio. So read it out loud for people. I'll do your words. <laughs> Jerry Mancini, December 23rd, 2020. I'm done with Vedat Muriki. He fucking sucks. This guy was overhyped. Twenty million dollars down the fuck end drain. Yeah, but did you not read my tw- my my uh my yes. tweet the next day when I actually apologized and I said that I'm very reactionary? That's the point. This is biased media. Really <laughs> <laughs> real. This is the Twitter video of Lautaro Martinez. We zoom in on one thing and one thing yeah, only. Fair. Fair. No, but I, 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 I was the first to admit that I was overreactionary on his performance. We've all said shit like yes, that. yes, he was bad against Milan. I, I still hold that till today. But I think that since that game, he, he's gotten better, which is encouraging. And hopefully, that what players? 
would you like to see in the rotation? I don't think Napoli has the depth, especially with Merton's awesome injury, and I don't think guys like Laboca are good enough. Um, again, I, I don't like a guy like Rock. Uh, uh, what's his name? Rom, uh, Rom, the guy who came from uh, Ramon. He should be playing more. That, that's an example. One guy he spent so much money, and he should be in the lineup. I, I would have to look at at who they have personally, but when when Napoli fans say that we have depth, we bought players in the summer, we bought players in the winter transfer market. There shouldn't be an excuse of who do you rotate. It's you rotate. That's it. When you spent X amount on, on money and like you spent money on players. There's no reason why rotation becomes an issue. That's just me. I, I don't really look into what Napoli has. I'm not a Napoli expert, but personally, at the end of the day, when when you, when you preach that you bought all these players and you got these guys coming over, that shouldn't be an issue. Like Lozano, why is Lozano playing every game? Why isn't he not rotating with Politano? There's an example. Like you brought Politano over, use him still. Like they play in the same position, something like that. Like Petania, Petania was never being used when Osiman was in the lineup. Petania is only being used now because Osiman's out of the lineup. Yeah, stink or no stink, it doesn't matter. I don't like Vadat Mariti until the last three games. I'll be honest, but. I'm happy that he played in the Copa Italia. I don't want to see Mobile on the on the pitch. Yeah. I know he has an injury. Inzaghi in past seasons has always been reluctant to not squad rotate. He did it in the two Copa Italia games. You know how far that can go? How much of a difference that can make for players like Immobile, Correa, uh, Caicedo. Um, I know a Cherby played because our defense sucks, but like Stefan Radu, I know he's 35 and whatever, but he, he was benched for two important games, sorry, two games that can help him in the league. These are things that a lot of managers don't do. Conte, he doesn't squad rotate either. Everybody says that I got called on Twitter that Inter has the depth. They have depth. They got players. So why aren't they playing? Christian Eriksen's depth. Why isn't he playing? He hates him. Like, <laughs> I, I think we're going to see Vecino. Uh, he's uh, Vecino scored a goal against the children of the Primavera in a training match today. So I think I think he's going to get a shot pretty soon. But we, I, can't wait until the I, I picture him. I picture him out there with like thirteen-year-olds scoring goals. But but in regards to Lazio, I think the fact that the starting eleven are, are Luis Alberto starting to find his form right at the right time. Um, he had a slow start to the season. I think a lot of people are overminding. Like I know he does, he hasn't registered an assist, but the guy has six goals. Uh, it's not his fault that if he's making the key passes, he's like seventh in the league in key passes. And if if players are not finishing their opportunities, how can that be on Luis Alberto's fault? Uh, Sergey Milinkovic Savage has been stellar. Um, I think Wesley Hoot, I know he had a bad game against Atalanta yesterday, but he, he's been serviceable. He's He's been really good in the Champions League. So they they reached the round of 16 in Champions League. A lot of people didn't have them advancing out of the group. Some did. Um, I know that Copa Italia, we would, would have liked to go on to the round of four, but I also kind of like, I, I'm on both sides. I'm disappointed that we lost, but at the same time, Teams like Milan and Lazio will benefit now because the next two weeks they don't have to play in midweek, especially a team like Milan where they have so many injuries to deal with. And 
Simon Kerr just got hurt now, latest injury. So now you have the midweek you can rest and you don't have to focus on that. And you just focus on City up prior to when Euro, Europa League comes. So certain teams do benefit from this. And I, I personally think that Nzagi did not care about Coppa Italia as much as he said he did care about it. Obviously, any manager wants to win. But in the back of his head, he's thinking, okay, I know my team's out, but if it comes at the expense that my players are not going to get injured and have to be overplayed and overused for two more weeks, I'll do it just to get a finish, just to finish a top four spot in City. Yeah, and I think Inzaghi's done a great job this year. He he's really learned a lot. I think yeah, sometimes his tactics are sometimes not the greatest. He chooses the wrong subs, but I'll, I'll say this much: at least he uses five subs. At least he's trying to to do things with the players he has. I'd like to see more, more maybe Pereira, but we'll see what happens. And overall, it's been a decent season, better than many had thought. I had them finishing in the top four. I don't see why they still can't finish in the top four. They haven't lost a game yet in Serie A in 2021. So the new count, the new year has been good to Lazio. So big game on Sunday against Atalanta. We'll speak a lot about. I think that's the game that's most important. And last thing is. I would love to see Lazio be Atalanta on Sunday with Luis Alberto in the lineup because I will be tweeting, where is Papu Gomez? I I just want to tweet so bad because I see too much Papu Gomez bullshit and it drives me nuts, man. I think he's a big loss to Atalanta still. I don't care what the results show. A guy like that is so hard to replace. Who do the you, heck is Emilio Pasto? Do you think that that with 11 men on the field – Lazio can still beat Atalanta. <laughs> oh, yeah, they I gave him the game with, with no, 11 to 10. What the hell, Jerry? I, I, I'm, I'm the, I'm they couldn't win with 10. So I had a conversation with our buddy Rob Pozzola, uh Alex, and I, and I, and I'm a firm believer of this. And I know that he's a stats guy. And I, and I think that when you go up a guy, it doesn't always benefit you. And that, that's just me. I know that people think I'm stupid when I say that, but, um, I think that your mind switches and you think that you, you become too complacent. You're too relaxed. You sit back and your mind switches of how you're supposed to play. When you're down a guy, you become more aggressive. You become I think more. It depends on what the score is. I, I think, I think if you're up a goal and you go up a man, it can get really dangerous because your instinct yeah. is going to be to take your foot off the gas pedal. Okay. But the same thing, like if you go down to 10 men and you're down a goal, I've seen that really charge up motivate teams. Like it just happened to Inter about a month ago when you know they were up a man against Napoli. And then I thought Napoli played in, infinitely better when they were down a man. Like they really play. And even Jerry earlier this season, way earlier this season, when Inter faced Lazio, Lazio went down a man and Inter couldn't take advantage of it. Like I thought Lazio played better when they were down a man. I don't get it, man. I, I just think that. It was a mental mistake on the goal given up with three minutes right after the red card. And after that, Lazio's didn't, Lazio did nothing in the final third. Everyone praised how Atalanta was so good defensively, sounded and all that. Sure, you, you're good defensively if, if your opponent is just weak as well. Like They didn't make any attempt to get into the final third. Anybody who watched this game in the last half hour, give me a call and let me know when Lazio try to at least attack or make an attempt to get into the box and just try anything. I, I, I didn't see that. 
Their first opportunity came with what? Three minutes left when uh, Golini had to make that save? Like, and then Korea tries to do sidesteps. And when they were in the box, they, they didn't know what to do. It was just mind-boggling. I don't know. Sometimes when you're up a guy, maybe you overthink what you're supposed to do. It doesn't become simplified. Uh, it drives me nuts. I, I don't get how when you're up a guy, it becomes the opposite. It's it's hard to break down a team of ten defenders. You have to, we have to re- remember. And if 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 you're throwing nine ten people forward at once just because you're you're up a man, it leaves the counter wide open, which which Atalanta was doing just time after time. How many times do we see Duvan Zapata one on one with mm. uh, with a Cherbier, whoever whoever was left back? Uh, it happened so many times towards the end of the game where, where they would just launch a long ball. Zapata is, is one-on-one and it quickly becomes a 2v1. And then, you know, they get a penalty, whatever the case happens. And then that's what happens if you have a team that's just focused, compact, and and um, just prepared, really, at the end of the day. So I want to get, though, so we've gotten Milan progress report, Lazio progress report. Let's go through uh, the Interisti here. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I almost feel like I'm being a little bit generous, giving a B minus, but I'm going that high just because um, Inter are competing for a Scudetto. So they're they're you know, and, and I give huge credit to Milan for being better than anyone expected. Uh, but from an Inter standpoint, they're right in there for the race. So I, I can't give them I don't think anything less than a B minus for where they are right now. Um, you know, obviously, um you know, I look uh, – oh, there's Ricky. We lost Ricky for a second. He's back. You know, okay. uh, it's certainly disappoint, like some disappointing matches that really stick out that if Inter had taken care of business, they'd be getting a higher grade. I mean, this past week uh, should have gotten the breakthrough goal against Udinese. Instead, it's a, it's a missed opportunity to go top of the table with a nil-nil draw. Um, the Sampdoria loss 2-1 to one, stings. Stuff like that is going to happen every now and, now and again. There's also regret in bigger matches. You know, I mentioned going way back early in the season when, you know, Inter had a, I believe it was a 1-1 draw with Lazio. Couldn't take advantage up a man. Um, Inter really should have held on and put away Roma a couple of weeks back. And, you know, Conte's tactical errors, you know, cost them the victory. And it ended up being a 2-2 draw in that match. You know, uh, there's not really much I can pick apart uh, with the Milan match, Milan, you know, won that one fair and square. Inter were missing some guys, but that's been just the reality this season. So that was uh, there's there's really not any uh, any big regrets that I have coming out of that game. But on, on the plus note, you know, for the most part, for the most part, Inter have gotten the majority of the re- of the results they should be getting. You know, it, it did include some kind of ugly come from behind victories, like against Torino. That one had us our hearts all racing when they were down two to nil. You know, overall, the results have been there. Um, there there were some negatives coming out of uh, the transfer window. You know, Kolarov, absolutely disastrous, disastrous signing. I don't think there's really any excuse for that. Um, I'll give Arturo Vidal some credit. He's been much better over the past couple of weeks. And, you know, he he made up for a lot with that goal that he scored against Juventus. I know that a lot of Interisti, <laughs> you know, for, for the penalties and the red cards that he's given up this year. But his performance and his goal – against Juventus was uh, was absolutely massive. And uh, Nicolo Barella is having an unbelievable season. Uh, you know, Romelu Lukaku, you know, he's not scoring every single match, uh, but he's uh, he's been arguably Inter's most consistent player overall because even when he's not scoring, he's contributing with his hold-up play. Um, you know, some negative marks. Lautaro Martinez, if I had any hair left on my head, I would have pulled it all out by now at this point. Use your mustache. You know, Bastoni has Especially been the uh, 
<laughs> yeah, the forehead's only going to get bigger there, Ricky, if uh, if Lautaro keeps missing sitters. And, um, you know, Hakimi, Hakimi is not consistent. He's not always putting in masterful performances, but he's put in a couple of great ones this year. So that's been a really, really good signing for Inter. You know, another thing on the negative side that I worry about is how many points is Samir Handanovic going to cost this team? Like that, that really, really concerns me. He's had a couple of good games. He made a big save against Juventus. He single-handedly preserved three points against Napoli because he saved Inter's asses in that games, in that game. But how many times has uh, has Handanovic, you know, failed, you know, failed to catch, failed to parry, failed to move? Uh, he's just a shell of his former self, unfortunately. But I think once you mix that all together, um, you know, my my grade for the first half of the season, my progress report for Inter, I'm going to go with a B minus. And obviously, the Scudetto is there for the taking. Um, I'm not counting out Milan. Some people think that they're just going to disappear off the face of the earth, but I've seen them in good form now for basically a calendar year going back to post lockdown last year. So I'm not, I'm not going to say that all Milan suddenly is going to go on like a five game streak. No, I think they're going to compete. I've not counted out Juventus. A lot of people tried to count them out after they lost to Inter ludicrous to count them out in match day 18. It's ridiculous. They have plenty of time to make up some ground. But Inter are right in the mix, so I go B minus. Mario, what do you think? What letter grade do you give? What what's your progress report to this point? I think a B B minus is is as fair as it gets. It's, I'm stuck between those because um, it's you have to take down a mark on the as like instantly because of the Champions League. You can't go out in the group stage like that, especially with the group that we have. That, that's inexcusable. Uh, sure, it opens up for the Coppa Italia, the league, whatever Scudetto. Uh, but it doesn't matter. It's a it's a it's a tournament that you have to show up to. You, you get to the knockout rounds, fine. You lose in the first round, fine. Whatever. It, you haven't made it that far in God knows how long. But you have to perform, especially when you know it's there for the taking, and all you have to do is get a point or two. But so that's where it takes it down to a B instantly. Um, the only bright spot on that is that the only reason why you're in second place is because Milan having lost a game in 30 outings. It's they're in incredible form. You can't fault that. Inter has done everything they can to put themselves in the best position to win the league, but Milan has been better. There's nothing you can do about that. They haven't lost a game. Right. You know, it, it, same with Juve last time. You know, you do everything, but Juve was a little bit better. At the end of the season, You because you dropped fill, uh, points against the Sampdorias or – the Udinese is the, the Roma that, that just should win. That's where it comes to haunt you. That's where Miguel is, you know, he's 100% right. They're winning the games that we didn't. That's what it comes down to. And I don't expect this to be perfect. I don't expect the invincible season that Arsenal had in 2004. I, I don't expect that from any team. That is just a bonus. But Inter is putting together wins. They're the second best team. I, I can't fault them for that. I think Conte with whatever madness is going on, it's it's working in the league. You can't say it's not because they have second place, obviously. Like I just said, I can circle around this for so many times. And it all circles back to Milan has just been better, as good as they can be. And Andanovic, sure, he loses you points. But at the same time, Lautaro can't score sitters. <laughs> you know, like it shouldn't be on the goalie to determine yeah. – the game it's unfair because they take one shot and they score one goal like that's literally what happens he finished a game with zero saves and one goal 
but we lost that game one nothing. You you know it, it's it, it's unfortunate. Like I, I've I've talked about it on here. I've talked about it on the Interworld Wide podcast. There's a reason why he's starting, and he's the best option. It's and it's clear as day. It's to Quentin <laughs> and to to probably the rest of the Intep staff. That's why he's playing game in. That's why Raju can't even get minutes in Coppa Italia against against Milan against whoever because Handanovic is just that much better. Age 36. And and standing like Tatarushanu did on Ericsson's free kick, it happens. Like sure, his positioning fine, whatever. You can you can make a million things, and but it all comes down to we lost those games one nothing on one shot, two shots, and he didn't make the save because whatever he didn't move. Fine, we don't score. We we have twenty five chances to score a game almost. It seems I, I did the math last time. You know, it's like 14, 17, 19, 20, 25, 30, and, and the ball doesn't go in. Like, you know, it's not it's not entirely Handanovic's fault. So I, I will back him up as much as I can. He should save some, yes, but at the same time, we should score. Like yeah. Lautaro against uh, against Milan. He had a wide open goal to shoot at off of um, that one chance. He put it over. You know, it's like stupid shit and, and – and and he freaking sucks. I'll blame him before I blame Handanovic because I fucking hate watching him just try to flick the ball to the other team 17 times a game on 18 touches and then get pulled out for Alexis who comes but doesn't get enough time for Ericsson who comes on but doesn't get enough time and is playing defensive middle all of a sudden where Brozovic should be. And you know, the whole thing's out of whack, but it's working somehow. Um, By the way, so I want to answer real quick. So, so Joe uh, asked, do we think Lautaro is underperforming? Absolutely, I think he's in space jammed. Yeah, because there, there there are certain things like like in in most matches his movement is pretty good, um, and and he's like off the ball, he's getting where he needs to be. But when when you miss as many sitters as he has, then I, yeah, I've got to say he's underperforming because he and, and his goal output has still not been bad this year. But with some of the chances he missed, he should be right there in the Capo Canoniere race. Like he's had that many opportunities. I want to say one more thing on Lautaro because uh, my friend Mo uh, from Interworldwide, he, he said it on, on Twitter perfectly. He goes, um, so one guy tweeted, if he can, if Martinez can improve his first touch in finishing, he'll be world-class. Let's hope it happens. So Mo with the, with the response of a lifetime, he goes, so basically saying he has to improve as a striker and he'll be a good striker. <laughs> I'm just like this guy gets it it's like he can do anything he he can move but anybody can run that's what we forget the hard-working the, the trait of a hard-working player like salad maker has it, it it doesn't it doesn't do anything for me like i don't care how hard you work it, it's how much you can you can give to this team if if lautaro's making the right movements opening up the space but then not scoring he needs to score at the end of the day it's not like he's if he didn't get these chances and he's making the movements, making the pass or whatever. Fine, you know what? I discounted, but the chances are there to score, and you're not scoring. It's you and the goalie every time. You and the open goal every time. How many times can you can you you put the ball into the goalie's arms when you're one on one, and all you have to do is chip them, go around them, anything, and miss an open oh, the, the goal completely. Like I, I, it's it's. I said with Icardi, I'll take anybody over him. I, I will stand by that. Boy, it, it makes me sound like a hypocrite. I'm not gonna lie. I'm thinking about this, and it, it's just circling, and I'm just, I sound horrible right right now. 
<laughs> no, you're good, bro. I'm still taking Rock Hot over Cardi, Cardi any day of the week. I don't care. Cardi, fuck Pylon. Fucking guy. Plays one way, that's it. You know what, man? You guys can shit on Latar all you want. First season, he scored six goals in City. Last year, mm-hmm. he scored 14. This year, he has nine goals. I don't, I don't, there's no drop off. I just think, yeah, that, but like three of those were in one game, though, to be fair. Yeah, the, I don't give a shit, man. He got the goals. It doesn't matter. The point is, he got the goals. He's missing the Capocano Yeti race. He's missed sitters. If he scores 18 goals yes. in one game and wins Capocano Yeti, what about the yes. other? 37 games. He should be hitting the sitters, but I, don't look about the goals. you got to look at the overall performance about him. And I think that a lot of things are in the back of his head. That whole Barcelona thing shook him up bad. He hasn't been the well, same. Now they're bankrupt, so don't worry about them anymore. Jerry, I don't know. Jerry, do, do you watch how many times he receives a ball to his feet and instead of taking a touch in front of him or laying the ball back, he tries to heal the ball to the defender standing behind him? Oh, you know what? It's not a last year problem, thank God. But well, I, I want to get like a hold on. I want to move on to the next thing. No, hold on, Alex. I want to say one more thing. All right, all right, fine, fine. Fuck Lotaro. <laughs> Fuck Lotaro. And Danovich is shit. I'll tell you that much. The guy's garbage. When the guy starts screaming at his own defense and he's like, have his hands in, in the air, he's waving, he's pissing off. It's really his fault every time. Yeah. Get out of here, man. I can't find it. shouldn't be shooting in the first place. It doesn't matter. Sometimes you need your goalkeeper to step up and you need a big save. He can't do it. What the hell? make the big save. Did you not see him against Milan? That's one game. It's one it's game. every game. Did you not yeah, see him? Um, uh, two weeks ago, whoever the fuck they played, he had the game of the Inconsistent, game. man. I would find a goal. You guys need a goalkeeper. The you guy need a goalkeeper. 36? The guy's 36? <laughs> He's older He's than Dirk. this year, has he? At least he stepped oh, up. And he stepped up. Look what he did yesterday. It is oh, about the amount of chances he misses more than the goal scoring. That's what most said. Him in Atalanta. Yeah. No, I, I don't, I don't like. But imagine right, what well, the score I, 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 I want to get. I, I want to get Ricky because uh, Ricky still hasn't had his progress report. One, one misses chances. The other can't make a save. Who gives a <laughs> shit? You're both. <laughs> We're lucky yeah. not to be in 19th place. Joseph, you're right. We do need a goalkeeper because uh, Thomas Trococha is getting knee surgery. You're right. And uh, luckily, they, they signed Peperena because if they didn't have Peperena, Lazio would be in a freaking hole right now. I'll tell you that much. So, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> oh, go ahead, Ricky. What's your progress report for Inter? Uh, it'd have to be a B minus. Uh, I mean, Champions League, as well as the signings made. Still, they were pretty questionable at the time with Godin leaving to bring Kolarov and Darmian in. Uh, I like Darmian. And he got, he got oh, lost. We lost Ricky. We lost him four times, man. He needs to get off AOL, man. I don't know what the heck he's using. <laughs> AOL, what do you guys have up there in, in USA? AOL, freaking uh, uh, AT&T. Holy shit. Nobody under the age of 80 uses AOL, but they used to. I mean, I've, I've got AT&T. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. But those guys, so, so, he, he probably sure had a call. Someone called his house phone, so he had to get off. What does he have? Dollar oh, <laughs> no, here, here, he's back. He's back. Man, that thing just keeps, like, kicking me out. <laughs> what do you have? Dial up internet right. there. Phone dial up. 
No, I, I got AT and T, but I don't know. And the funny thing about it is, like, he sounds clear as day. Like, he's probably got the best sound out of all five of us. But like, like the sound comes at a price. Like, he made a deal with the devil where you're going to sound great, <laughs> but I'm going to cut you off every 18 minutes. You know. <laughs> All right, where was I? Something points you drop. B minus, yeah. yeah. B minus. Yeah, B minus. No. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't. Well, with the Darmian signing, it was a bit iffy. Colorado signing a bit iffy. Uh, as to who would come back and replace, uh, bring back Ivan Perisic. I potentially thought he would be like top class for us and a good replacement for Lukaku, but. Uh, that hasn't worked out as well as I thought it would, uh, as well as the exit from the Champions League, uh, basically not being able to beat Shakhtar Donetsk in both legs that we played him, dropping uh, the last-minute uh, draw against Real Madrid was a bit, eh, how? But then as well as, uh, I mean, the fact we're still second and the fact we ended up... Uh, this game or the Juve game alone was the one where we actually put in a full hundred percent uh, match for both halves, yeah, as opposed to yeah, the Juve usual interwear. The half. other drop points, though, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, but actually, that was like the first game where we actually see play with a hundred percent intensity, as opposed to the usual. All right, one half we play crap, one half we play good. <clears throat> All right, so I, I want to get into, guys, um, do you guys have an MVP pick uh, to this point? You know, because for me, like, I'm, I'm considering between two guys, I might go a total cop-out and give co-MVPs. A- am I going to be a little bit biased here towards the top two teams? You can't give co-MVPs? Co- I'm going to oh, – hear me out, hear me out. And then maybe you guys can help me decide if I'm way off or if one of these guys deserve it. I'm going to be a little bit biased here and lean towards the top two teams in the league because I, I would say that they probably deserve a shout out for one of their players to be MVP most. I'm I'm kind of deciding between um, Donnarumma, who I, I think has just been so massive for Milan in goal. And, you know, there are a number of Milan players who have done well. You know, Zlatan is lethal, but he's missed so much time that it's hard for me to say MVP. Um, I, I think the most consistent guy who's really probably earned the most points for Milan or salvaged the most points for Milan is Donnarumma, who's been massive. And uh, and I'm also kind of um, from an Inter point of view, maybe I'm I'm leaning to this point to uh, to Barella, and, and a big part of that for me is just how well he played against Juventus. That I might even give him the slight edge over over Lukaku to this point. So I'm I'm kind of thinking Donnarumma and Barella. Uh, I mean, what, what do you think, Miguel? Uh, Milano, Miguel, do you have a pick for MVP? Um, I didn't really have one, but as for Milan, yeah, I, I can totally argue and agree that Donnarumma is definitely MVP. Um, honorable mentions, I'd say Kier and then Kessier because both those two players, Kier and Kessier, stepped up immensely ever since lockdown. And till this day, um, I think Kessie has only missed one match in like the entire season. Um, so you can see he's a workhorse. He he managed to win the ball back. He's so cool, calm, and collected. When Zlatan's not there to take the penalties, he's there, and he's he's only missed one penalty this season. Um, 
So he's done phenomenal. Kier, he's done phenomenal in defense uh, with the Romagnoli injury, with all that happening. He he came into the side. Um, he found a way to make it work, and he's, he's worked his ass off. Um, you, you can even see, like, even when Milan were down 2-0 against Atalanta, he, he did everything in his power to stop Duvan Zapata from scoring. Um, so, yeah, but Donnarumma definitely up there for MVP because that man has made some ridiculous reflex saves um, that definitely could have cost Milan some points this season. And it's just amazing to see how much he's grown. Uh, got his debut at 16. He's 21 now. He's had the captain's armband. Uh, you can see how vocal he is now with Milan. You'll, you'll occasionally, if you actually watch Milan, Milan games, you will hear Donnarumma yelling at his defenders, telling them where to, to place themselves or we got to do better or that's unacceptable. Um, so he definitely, I can say he's been MVP because he he's pretty much act like uh, a third captain on the team when Romagnoli's not there. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Jerry, uh, y- your thought and uh, and our guy uh, Mike No No Go Zones uh, gives the shout to Immobile. Uh, do you agree, Jerry? Who's your MVP to this point? He, he already read me like uh, he read me really well, and this is a guy who's replicating his numbers from last year. I personally will be the first to say that I didn't think Immobile was going to do nearly as much as he did last year, and he proved me wrong. And he has scored, in, I believe, in 17 of their last 19 games. Over that span, he's scored 18 goals, six game winners for Lazio. He's scored three of their winners in the last four games. Without Immobile, Lazio doesn't win games. We, we know this already. They, they can, but it's just not... They don't have that finisher, that person who can really make a difference for them. I, I, I'm very scared about the future when Immobile is gone because this guy, I've never seen one player who can basically, okay, that, that, that's Muriel who keeps on sending that shit. But anyways, um, <laughs> not me, I swear. But, um, it's MGEX 77. With, with Immobile, like, he, he's consistent. He's Mr. Consistent. I, I wish, I hope he does the same come Euros, but he, he just controls the game. And when he's not in the lineup, Lazio just looks like a, a very different team. And so he was hurt. He had COVID, didn't stop him, didn't turn, didn't affect him. He's been out for, I think he missed like three or four games. Still, he in, in Champions League, he scored, I believe, five or six goals as well. It, it's unbelievable with what he's done this year and his work rate. I, I love the way he plays. He he just provides that intensity for Lazio, and he's taken the responsibility of being the captain this year. And I think he's done a great job leading by example. So for me, I wouldn't. I would, and if I had to choose, not just being non-biased here, like if it's not Immobile, I will go with Barella. I think Barella is my MVP if it wasn't a Lazio player. If it's not Immobile, it's Barella. I think without Barella, another player where Inter doesn't win as much games if he's not on the lineup. And and I and I love Lukaku, and I think Roma Lukaku is a beast, and he, he produces a lot of scoring. But everything is built around Barella with Inter. And if you take him out of that midfield, there is no creativity, there is no attack, there's nothing. There, that spark is missing, and... The problem is 
if 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 he's not there, who generates the plays for Lukaku? And I know that I know I know Erickson is supposed to be that guy. I I agree with you, but we know we, we have to be realistic, and he's not in in the plans right now. So let's pretend he wasn't. <laughs> let's just pretend he wasn't part of the of the plans. Okay, yeah, pretend he is. Oh. Yeah, they're, they're stuck with him for at least another five more months, so <laughs> they may have to make plans. <laughs> Someone's got to be the water boy, right? But anyways, uh, point is, point point being, I just think Man's a derby champion. If you don't have Badella, even even if you have Eric's in the lineup, Badella is not. He can't compare it to Badella, and what he's been able to do this year at both ends is, has been remarkable. So, for me. It would be Barella if it's not Immobile. That's that's the way I look at it. But Mobile is my pick first. All right, l- l- let me go next to Ricky. Ho- hopefully, he doesn't lose uh, the connect. So it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> who, who, who's been your MVP so far this year? The internet over here. <laughs> uh, it's probably been uh, Barella with a uh, well, three out of well. If I had to pick three, it'd be Barella, uh, uh, Lukaku, since he saved our ass this season. Uh, crucial points, and then uh, Donnarumma, which I'm still surprised he's only 21. It feels like he's been there for a yeah. while. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, it really is. He, like, he should be 30 by now. 21. Jesus. Wow. Yeah, I thought he was 25. I was like, whoa, he's 21. Oh. Feels like he's been I, I there for like five he was years. Older than so I, we we can get this guy uh, <laughs> off of Milan, but no, he's so young. <laughs> well, what about you, Mario? Who's your MVP? <sighs> For Inter, it has to be Barella, but I think I kind of because Milan's in first place, it has to be Milan player for me right now. So I was thinking someone like like Kessie, uh, Kessie. I think he's been excellent this year. I said it last year when they were struggling. I said this guy's good. The only problem is the ball does not go into the net. It, I can. I was when they had Piontek and all of them. They the problem wasn't that they weren't playing good or nothing. The the, the results just weren't falling in their favor. And Kessie, I was watching the We couldn't find the back of the net in that era. That's what it, exactly what it was. Piontek was one on one. The the goal was uh, it was like a Lautaro situation. It was one on one with the goalie, open goal, and he puts it wide. He puts it into the goalie thing. It was stupid shit. Kessie in the in the six yard box would hit the crossbar and, and they clear for a, for a throw in, but. He's been excellent this year. He's been one of the top three players, in my opinion. Him, Donnarumma's been great. Uh, he, he's he's been the best goalie in the league by uh, probably by far. Um, I, I, but then, fuck! I just talked shit about Alex not being able to pick someone. Now I can't pick someone. Then the third one is Kyle <laughs> because of, of of Palermo. And if you haven't talked to me. The Palermo syndrome is real. It's a real freaking thing. The more Palermo players you have in your lineup, the better you are going to do, except for Torino. They suck. Chiaia was was an animal for Palermo. He went to Roma. They became a decent team, and now he's at Milan, finally circling back, and he's starting. Since they've signed him, they haven't lost a game since they've signed Chiaia, if I am correct, until, like, obviously the other day, but he's been – one of the best center backs in the league, if not the best, with with like Devry and uh, like Acherbi's Messi Acherbi over here now, freaking scoring goals like he's he's Messi and Maradona. Hmm. But I, I, 
He yeah. Be, if he had the speed, he'd be a good wing back, man. So good. He is. He's. He's phenomenal. That guy. I. I love him. I love watching him play. You know what they call him? It's. It's weird. I. I. I was listening to the zonal marking, and they call a guy like Francesco Cherby the inverted wing back. Uh, the the inverted center back. Center back. Yeah. Where a lot of a lot of center like a lot a lot of left center backs are becoming more predominant and there be more. Yeah, like they they rely on their left foot. Apparently, left footed players are much more efficient than right footed players. Just the way they they play the game, the way they're able to shield the ball off, they have a better advantage. Everything, it's just everything they do. I don't know how to explain it because I would have to listen to the whole podcast. But there's stats that show that a left footed player has more better accuracy to to get the ball into the box, and I think it's the angle of where they're delivering it from and how they're able to. But I just want to. I, I just before I forget, I want to answer Joseph's uh, question about why Immobile, why I think he can't produce for a national team, and, and I feel bad if I don't answer this. And I'll just say it straight up: it's because Italy doesn't play a three-five-two. That's it. Yeah, I'm Immobile, with you. Immobile, I, I, and it's not just Immobile. I, I want people to understand: if you play every day a three-five-two system, and you are adapted to a certain way of how you play. And then you go play 4-3-3 with Italy, and you're playing a whole new system, whole new role as a striker. You're going into a different world now. How do you adapt? And you don't have the time to frequently adjust to that to that switch. He, what's made Immobile so successful since joining Lazio is playing in a in a two man up front. He has more space. He likes to play off the pass. A guy like Alberto. Sh- needs to be on Italy where he can play in stride in the midfield and he plays on the left side. Immobile likes to play on the left side. Doesn't like to play right in the middle, up front in the box. He's too stagnated. There's no space for him to move or anything. He he's not that mobile like he can like win challenges. He when you watch 4-3-3 Italy, it doesn't look good for him. He just looks lost. And I feel bad for him because he gets shit on and they're like, oh well his job is to score. Well how the heck is your job to score if you're not playing the proper system for him? And, and, and I hate when people say, well, he has to adapt. He's a striker. He has to go. When has Italy tried a handful of times, at least once or twice, to see how 3-5-2 works with this team? Just to experiment. I, I, I don't see an issue, man. I don't see an issue with this. Yeah. It's friendly games for a reason. A friendly game is not to use 4-3-3 six more times. It's to see what you have and what works differently. And differently would be 3-5-2. Even for a bastone and a 3-5-2 be perfect for Italy. Along with the Cherby, that can you imagine a three-five-two with a Cherby and Bastoni in the back end? Unbelievable, man! Like, I I just don't get it, man. I I, I don't like it. I hate when players and, and a prime example, and we've seen it was I'll say Chelsea. Timo Werner is a center forward, and he played as a winger, and and people are shitting on him. Like, obviously, he's not going to score goals if you're playing him out of position in a four-three-three when he's really a natural center forward. Like if you know your players are are like to a certain position, play them in a certain position. Why are you being a smart ass and play them out of position? I, I I don't get it, man. These guys get paid millions of dollars to make stupid decisions. That like it's but, just mind boggling, man. And but, like like Inter, just like Inter, you got Christian Eriksen not playing in the center mid in, in, in midfield. That's another example. $40 million, $20 million down the drain. you got a player. Use it properly. Like, well, let's not, let's not talk about $20 million. Well, I was going to say, well, that's you, you have to look at it from both angles, too, because you could say, well, 
all right, well, we need to switch the system for the striker. I'll let you uh did, did you if you guys have, have finished the thought uh, Ricky I'm sure it's gonna hop back in soon but I wanted I wanted to go over two more topics uh real quick because uh, I I still haven't eaten dinner so I want to I want to chow down on some pasta here in a little late night pasta is like the worst thing for you but it, it is what it is man I, my New Year's resolution has already gone to shit okay R- Ricky is back uh Ricky I want to let you finish <laughs> the thought and then I'm gonna move on to uh to another topic what was the last thing you guys heard me say <laughs> you just started, <laughs> you just started yeah. wow okay uh yeah Christian Erickson you could say uh I mean, the system is in place already, so you could say, "Well, Immobile isn't suited for a three or four-three-three." Three. Uh, but I mean, what can Immobile do to adjust himself? Similar to Conte and Erickson, Eric, uh, Conte switched his formation around to accommodate Erickson, but now Erickson isn't adapting. So Erickson needs to look at himself, go to Conte, or he'll go to some players. What can I do to adapt and maybe try and help? So it's kind of a two-way streak. It isn't just a one-sided issue. Right. You're no, right. No, no, no doubt. No you're doubt. You're playing every day. You're playing every week. You're training every day to, to adjust. With with the World Cup and the Euros, you're not playing every day. You're not with the same squad every day. So you need to like adapt within a short time frame. You you, you go for a week and you, you're, you're practicing playing two games and you go back to your actual – your competition – I, I just think it's different with, with with league play. You have more time to adapt. You have more trial and error with with like the Europeans and the World Cups. You don't have that kind of uh, time. And when you you do have those friendlies, that's when you. I would agree with you if, if it was both ways. They've only done four three three and never have or have tried to adapt to Immobile to see. Let's see if a three five two works for everyone, not just for Immobile. Do we get better results out of that? I, I do agree with you, but I just think that when you're looking at Serie A and, and you have all the time frame, it's, I don't know, there goes my summer body. I'm eating late-night pasta. Like me, as soon as we wrap up, I'm eating late-night pasta. So the, 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 the that's the worst, man. The carbs just settle right in the gut. A lot of the players are already accustomed to the 3-5-2 as it is, if you look at it. Because, look, half the, half the national team is, is Inter, Juve, and Lazio players, I guess you could True. say that. Because uh, there's only 11, whatever. So you have Bastoni, who's probably going to be in center back in next year or two. He plays in three five two with Conte. Uh, Chiellini, Bonucci, they played they played in a three five two for God knows how long under Conte. Also, then you have Parella three five two. You have uh, Immobile three five two. That's your, that already is half the lineup three five two. And then um, uh, does Roma play a three five two often? I don't. Think they, 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 they have, yeah. You go, you have, then you have Zagnolo, yeah, uh, exactly. whatever. You know, you have the players. Kikiesa played in a 3 5 2 uh, for a while in Fiorentina, also. There you go, Kiesa on the right side, uh, uh, uh on the left side, whatever the what case about, is. All these players what about are from Marotti at Torino. Torino yeah. played a 3 5 yep. 2. Yeah. I think Barati can play yeah. in, a, in a two front with them. I would like to see him play up front with Immobile in a 3 5 2. I think that can work, man. I think a lot of people doubt me on that. I don't know. Uh, Didn't I, he play a 3 5 2 when uh, Belotti and Immobile were at Torino? They had, uh, what's his Did name, they? too? 
Yeah, I think so. Uh, Dave Mazzotti is the coach. Alicia Chanchi. Chanchi is there too. Oh, uh, freaking. That's like six, seven years ago, man. Yeah, that was back in the day. Yeah. Good memory, man. Well, I, get you, but, but I want to close out because we, we gave our MVPs. Uh, I want to also um, give our, our coach of the season shouts so far. Uh, I'm not going to straddle the fence on this one. I am going to settle on one, but I'm going to tell you the two coaches that I strongly considered. Um, obviously, I had to consider Stefano Pioli. I mean, he's he's got his team in first place. Milan have been overperforming the expectations going back to last season. So, of course, Pioli gets a shout. I'm, though, going to give actually the edge here to Ivan Juric at Verona. And I, I know, hey, listen, Verona's not in the top four right now. They're not competing for a Scudetto. But that freaking team, there, there is no manager that gets more out of less than Ivan Juric. I mean, you, you look at their wage bill compared to, you know, the top four, top six teams. The guys that they lost in, in the transfer window, I mean, you lost both of your starting center backs, Ramani and Kumbula. You know, you lost Amrabat. I mean, th these guys lost a ton of players in the last transfer window. And so people thought, oh, you know, Verona, they got worse. They're going to end up being like fighting relegation. And they, they've gotten better results against the top six teams than any of the top six teams have gotten against each other. Like, it's it's crazy how how overperforming uh, Verona is considering how little they have. So, yeah, I mean, by by that metric, I'm going to go with uh, Juric as coach of the year so far. Uh, what do you think, Jerry? Oh, you're gonna hate. I, I like I like Pioli. Zaghi. I like Pioli. Yeah, and I and I do like Nzagi. Absolutely. You love Conte too. Conte. You know, I, love I love Conte. I think I think it was great to see him win on Tuesday, man. Like anytime I see Conte get the upper hand, I love it, man. Did he deserve probably to win Tuesday? Maybe not, but I don't care. I I just like the guy personally. But um, I, I'm gonna I do like the, the shout for Verona, but I'm gonna say Nzagi just because. This is a team at the beginning of the year where had the like I said I, I don't know Mario's not gonna like it. I can give a shit what he thinks, but uh, you should give a shit what I think. <laughs> I live rent free in your head, Jerry. He has to cater his opinion to, towards whether my liking or not. I just think a guy, like, a guy like Inzaghi, who who's always been reliant on his starting eleven, where Immobile, Luis Alberto. Savage and consistently gets the most out of these players season after season. It I think is impressive, and the fact that they've always been questioned about their depth, and he's overcome so many obstacles with so many injuries, having no players available. I, he he went through a period where he didn't have Immobile in the lineup, Alberto in the lineup. I I, I lots of he was in the lineup. He had up to eleven guys out, and he still got draws, wins. So to me. And the biggest thing is that he has them right at the top, near a top four spot after everything that's gone in the season, and we're starting to see their form. But if it's like I, I that's not my true number one pick. That's my number two pick. I'm going with uh, with Stefano Pioli. I think that Pioli has given them that identity that they've been missing for so many seasons. Um, they finally have a philosophy there. They they finally have a winning mentality. This team's I, and I love what Gattuso did with Milan. I think that he was a good leader, a good ambassador. Like, but the tactic part was always the issue when it came with Gattuso, and that's something that you learn over time. With Pioli, like he's he's brought them back to the top. And what what has Milan have been grateful for in the past decade prior to like 
season pro like when, when the season resumed last year. Nothing, absolutely nothing to be grateful about. Everyone sucked. It didn't matter. The only thing, the only thing that worked well for Milan in the last four years was Gigi Donnarumma. If it wasn't for him, they'd probably be even further down the standings. And I, I guarantee you Miguel will probably agree with that. He's been the leader of that team. Probably who knows how many big saves he's made in, in the past years to help the win games. All of a sudden, you got a coach who actually is not afraid to speak up, is not afraid to, to put an actual formation in line that people can understand, using players the right way, giving people confidence to go on the field and play. Like, look when they beat Lazio. Did you see what they did, how they celebrated? They, they, they pretend that the fans were in the curva and, and they were celebrating as if their fans were there. There's a family there. That's something that Inzaghi has instilled at Lazio, and you're starting to see that with Milan. And I think that's the biggest thing that a lot of teams lack, is having that foundation yeah. where, where players fight for each other and the managers fight for the players. Like, there's that, that cohesiveness where there's, like, a unity, and a lot of teams lack that. And with Milan and, and Lazio, I think there's a, there's a similarity here. And, and Pioli actually mentioned that his time with Lazio actually helped him to become a better manager and, and how it didn't end well. And coming to La, to, uh, to Milan, he, he took his past experiences and brought it there and made it better this time. So that, that that's a, to me, as, as a manager who, who's taking accountability of where he went wrong, went to a new team, and, and made it better this time. So I will give it to Pioli because he, he can – and this is a guy who, who keeps on winning with those Zlatan. When Zlatan's not in the lineup, they still win games. When Zlatan's in the lineup, they win games. There, there's there's a combination of everything. It's a team that fights for each other, like I said before, man. And that's why I, I respect Milan. I hate Milan because of my friend, because because of bantering, because 20 years of bantering just made me hate them. But, but if I, if I take – I don't. I don't let the hatred cloud my mind to to know that Milan is probably. I thought they were a, a Europa League team this year, before everything started. But they're much better than a Europa League team, and that all comes from the manager. That's just how I break it down. Well said. Uh, what about you, Ricky? Who's your your coach of the year so far? Your manager of the year so far in Serie A? Uh, I'd probably have to give it to Stefan Pioli. Uh, also, because I was part of the bandwagon of uh, everyone riding him off going into the next season, everything's going to be a disaster for Milan, and uh, he wouldn't be able to pull out results like this, or it's all going to fall apart, and Milan's going to be in tatters. But he's proven me wrong, <laughs> sitting up too. top on first. Uh, but as well as the fact uh, they've been able to still grind out results, get a lot of results that we kind of didn't expect them to do. Or we thought they dropped points. Next game, they're going to lose this. Next game, they're going to drop points. They still managed to get results, even with the injuries they've had. Even with COVID restricting them, they've still been able to pull that out of the bag. So I'd give it to Pioli. Yeah, well said. What about you, Miguel? Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with everyone. Um, As a Milanista, I've seen it all. Um, Stefano Pioli came in and a lot of Milanisti were crying out, why didn't we sign Scaletti? This, this, and that. Um, but I was one of the few Milanisti that was like, okay, let's give this guy a chance. We gave him a chance. His first couple of games, he got some results, but you could see that there was still a lack of cohesiveness and a lack of him having his philosophy on the team. And we see how after that lockdown period, 
when Syria resumed, that mentality that Pioli wanted to instill into this team, he put it into them. And since then, since then it's been all gas, no breaks. Um, you have to give credit to him, especially because during the towards the end of the season, the guy who was literally being asked by the media, how do you feel about Raf Ragnick coming in? How do you feel about your job not being secure? And under every circumstance, this guy stayed professional. This guy managed to pull the results. He said, hey, I'm the manager right now. We're worried about the next game. We got the result this game. We're going to worry about the next one. And what happens, happens. Um, we've seen many managers over the year have issues like this. Conte has his issues with the media and lashing out and talking about the management, this, this, and that. But Pioli hasn't done any of that. And you have to give him utmost respect because the guy was honestly, he wasn't given a chance when he first came in. And now that he's proved himself, it just makes it 100 times better. And I'd also like to uh, shout out Urich because, yeah, man, he lost basically his entire starting lineup. And I said it last year. I was like, Verona's a really good team. Don't count them out. Um, but after losing all those players, I was like, mm, they might drop a little bit in the table. But he has managed to find it. He he fixed it, whether it's getting uh, De Lorenzo, uh, not De Lorenzo, uh, what's his name? Uh, Valentino, I think. Oh, I'm drawing a blank, too. Wait, yeah. From Verona, Valentino, right? The defender. Yeah, anyways. Uh, yeah, he managed to get his starting lineup in. And they have Kalinic as their striker. I don't know how they managed to. Imagine. He fucking stinks. He fucking reeks. He sucked at Roma. He sucked at fucking Verona. Where is he going now? Is he going somewhere else? He stinks. Stinks. My God. Stinks. But yeah, for a guy to lose pretty much his starting lineup and to steady the ship and pull results against top six, top eight teams like they've done, you got to give him a massive shout out, honestly. Mario, I'll give you the last word. Coach of the year so far. Can you make the case for Pirlo? What about Conte? Conte is underperforming. Like I was just looking at the standings and all the, the top. From two until seven, all those teams are underperforming, in my opinion. Which yeah. leaves Pioli is obviously the best coach of the year because he's been working wonders with Milan. And then Ivan Juric took the second. The guy has a defensive masterclass on his hands, and they just sold uh, one of the best players, uh, Mattia Zaccani, to Napoli, if, I, if that's official yet. Um, but that's, that's probably going to be confirmed shortly, but $10 million for, for a solid midfielder who, once again, Napoli signing people they don't really need. Um, but we can say that for next time. Uh, yeah, Pioli and then Ivan Juric as a second. That guy is good. He's working miracles for Hellas. They don't. They don't belong stealing points off the top teams. There they, there they are. They got no money. They got nothing. That guy deserves a medal. Yeah. Well, well said. Oh wait. Let me let. Uh, let me let Ricky back in. Here we go. I want to touch one more point about Pioli, and I think a lot of people forget his time with Fiorentina and what he did with when uh, Davide Astore passed yes. away. Yes. And, and that's how a, that's a great shout. And he, 
how he dealt with the situation. Um, and I, I'm looking at his track record. He he, this this is the difference. Milan went after a a short term manager that didn't just manage pioneer freaking clubs. He he managed some decent teams. Inter, prior to that, Fiorentina. Uh, Lazio, Bologna, like they're not bad teams. And like his last what five teams he, he managed, he he was at Palermo, and, and I think that his track record speaks for itself. Where they went after a guy who had a lot of experience, and I think the most important thing is, and, and I think Maldini really put this into consideration is that they hired somebody who dealt with a difficult situation at Fiorentina, and. If he was able to keep that team together and there was um there was like a unity and he was I thought he, I think he should never have been fired. I think that was the biggest mistake bringing Montella in because he that but um, shit. but yeah, I absolutely agree. I don't know think he'll ever get a job again. If he does, it'll be steady D. But anyways, mm-hmm. freaking that that experience things like that where managers go through and have to learn and and then you go to Milan it's a similar situation where everyone's against you they don't think you can do it again bring the team together like you said all valid points and he he overcame it and and I do agree with Verona as well it's a good shutout but I, I'll go with Milan because I think the, the, the obstacles with Milan were much greater compared to Verona where you had a team that was broken just broken apart you had Marco Giampaolo I don't know how that guy uh, here, here. I want to ask you a question. How how do these He's man- a joke. No, no, not just him. There's a lot of managers that are a joke. Not just him. I want to yeah. know how these idiots get recycled and reused. Like, 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 like they get fired. They go to the next team. So, like, <laughs> are you? You'll never find a guy like Inzaghi who will be on a team for eight years in a row. You'll never find a manager that will have that long of 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 a term. He, I think he had. If he finishes on his new contract, he'll be the longest term on on a team since uh, Roberto Mancini. I meant uh, people in Zagreb. Continue. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> that's, what, that's, that's what you mean. That's why, why are you gonna get excited for? Why are you gonna jump for because I say Inzaghi? Because you know I'm talking about. It's a reflex I, for I him. Love, yeah, I, I love Inzaghi, man. He's good. I love the guy, man. Like, I, I like managers who are able to build. And build like create something. I think I think Pioli can be the next Milan manager, where he can be there for two, three, four years at least, and build something with this team and actually win stuff. Like like Lazio have done the last four years. Seriously, I think Milan's on the right track of winning something. And, so you and like it, Conte? Sorry. So you like Conte too? Then he does. I love Conte. I he think. literally does. Like, it's not even a joke. He loves Conte. He loves Conte more than I do. Because, like, uh, Conte, there are some days when I like Conte, some days when I hate him. Jerry's consistent. Jerry always loves Conte. Conte, I'm surprised Conte wasn't your manager of the year. No, I, know. I was hoping he would say that. Why wouldn't you say that? Why? Because I just think that Pioli, the, the obstacles of what Pioli had to do, no other manager did this year. Uh, maybe Juricic, like you said, because of injury. Conte, Conte's building either. Yeah, but he started that last year. No, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Sure he's, does. build, he's building a retirement home. It's been built for two he's years. Building, he's building. He's building. Uh, he's building. They will come. <laughs> uh, well, listen, I, I, 
We can, we can, you know, we can do this all night, man. Fuck. Well, I, I was gonna say I, I, I gotta close it oh, out. No, but, uh, we, well, we can continue the conversation another oh, time because I, I, I really enjoyed everybody. I, I enjoyed the dynamic, and I want to send out a huge thank you. Um, this is the first time we've ever done a live. I mean, we've been putting out obviously podcasts for a really long time, uh, videos uh, for not as long of a time. This is the first time we've ever done a live. So you know, to everyone who's actually hopped in and watched it. Uh, you know, we were only putting this through the YouTube channel. I think in the future, uh, we're going to start doing it through Facebook and, and maybe Instagram as well, just to even like broaden the scope a little bit. But I had a lot of fun. I'm, I'm very humbled by the fact that so many people came in and interacted. It was really awesome. And of course, everybody on the panel today, huge thanks to Milano Miguel, to Jerry Mancini, to Mario Galliano, and to Ricky Buzz. And, and a special thanks to Ricky because he kind of got the whole crew together. It was Ricky's idea to do a mid-season review. So a special shout out there. So we're going to talk to everybody uh, another time. Jerry and I, I'm sure, are going to be back probably around the weekend for another episode of the Calcio Connection podcast. Ciao.